Today, we're continuing on in our series uh, about the parables, the parables of Jesus. Pastor Chase, our youth pastor, he did announcements today and uh, did a great job talking last week about the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's a challenging message. Uh, if you've been in church at all, it's a challenging message. I encourage you to go find it online on uh, one of our, our YouTube channel or Facebook or podcast, whatever. Uh, I encourage you to go find it if you missed it. Uh, this morning, though, we're talking about something that I personally really like, and that is dinner. Anybody like dinner? All right, good. I'm glad I'm in good company today. It's an unusual week because of Martin Luther King Day on Monday. Uh, my sons didn't have school. They're nine and seven. This, actually, this has nothing to do with the message, but I just have to tell it to you because it's funny. My wife and I went and checked out the uh, sledding hill that the kids are going to next weekend. We went and checked it out yesterday. I uh, wanted her to have the lay of the land because she's going to be leading that trip. And uh, it's pretty cool. They've got all these little runs carved out, and there's one that definitely is for older kids, and we'll keep the, our kids off of that one. Um, the other ones are a little more tame. And my son, Luke, he's seven. He's the blonde one running around. He's a little bit of a daredevil. And I can't remember. I said the word he used earlier. I'm blanking on it. But he says something like he went down it, and he said, oh, he said, wonderful. He said, Dad, this is wonderful. And it was this, like, carved up run, and the snow, they carved so many bumps that it was, you kind of see the grass, and you just wham, wham, down. And he said, Dad, this is wonderful. I, I call him Lukey. I said, Lukey, I'm so glad. He said, Dad, it's wonderful because you almost die. <laughs> it's not the truth. You don't almost die. <laughs> anyway, on Monday, I had my, had my sons with me. They're nine and seven. And I knew which direction, which parable I was going to do, but I didn't have the title that I eventually came up with. That's why it's not on the sign. Title today is Don't Miss the Dinner. Don't Miss the Dinner. Now, when I say dinner, I'm not just talking about any dinner. Um, my wife is a tax accountant. She's going to the time of year where she works like crazy, and uh, dad has to take care of the dinner. And I'm not talking about not missing the dinners that dad cooks. I'm not talking about not missing corn dogs or tuna fish or grilled cheese. or <laughs> That's about the limit of what I know how to do, actually. I'm not talking about that kind of dinner. I'm talking about a dinner, and italicized, a dinner. The kind that's really a big deal, the kind that you get invited to. And when you get invited, you're like, I'm going to that dinner. Some of you, you're probably really good at hosting these. Anita's here. Uh, I've been to a few of these, a couple of these at her house. Man, they are incredible. If you ever got uh, uh, invited to Patrick and Anita's, our dear brother Patrick went home to be with the Lord a few weeks ago. But if you've ever been to one of those, you know what I'm talking about. There's a difference between dinner and a dinner. Yeah. I mean, when you go to Anita's house, it's more than four courses. It's as many courses you can handle. Mm-hmm. Now, another great example might ring true to some of you if you've ever been on a cruise. Been on a cruise. Now, cruises are like pretty cheap vacations, you know, as long as you can manage to not get, uh, you know, any weird viruses or anything on these cruises. Um, but on these cruises, there's always a fancy dinner. Every night, there's a fancy dinner on your cruise. Um, if you've never been on a cruise, I'll kind of outline the way it works for you. Um, most of these ships, these cruise ships, they're huge, right? Thousands of people on these ships are like little floating cities. And you can easily go, if you go on a cruise, uh, you can go an entire day, and you can not see the person that's across the hall from you, that is in the room across the hall from you. Because these places are so big, right? They got pools and hot tubs and mini golf and movie theaters and comedy shows and concerts. I mean, they just got all kinds of stuff going on. These ships are huge. There's a lot of people. But the one place you will see just about everyone, 
is at the dinner. Because there's a fancy dinner at night. And at the fancy dinner, let me tell you, they have something for everybody. We went on one. The last one we went on, it was several years ago. John, I think, was four and Luke was two or somewhere around there. And my boys, they've always loved to eat. And, uh, but you take a four-year-old, a two-year-old on a thing like that, you never know, right? They can be a little bit picky. And uh, uh, most of the nights they actually had childcare, where you would send your kids to this childcare thing, and then the grown-ups would go to the fancy dinner. But the first night, we got to take everybody to the fancy dinner. So you dress up in your best clothes, right? You bring a suit jacket so you can uh, go to the fancy dinner. Um, and we went this first night, and uh, they just got all kinds of stuff. Most of the stuff, again, my sons are four and two, and they hadn't seen a lot of this. And they're just bringing out thing after thing after thing. And they brought out this stuff that you may have had and you may like. It's called calamari. Right? Oh, man, I love it too. Sometimes if it's not good, it tastes like rubber, I've heard. But uh, this was pretty good calamari. And my son John, he's four. We're sitting there. And uh, it's been a long day. You know, you get on the ship and you get your luggage in there. It's been a long day. And he's, we're hungry. And he says, Dad, what is this? I said, it's cal- calamari, bud. He's, he's like, what's calamari? I was like, well, squid? Kind of like an octopus? Eyes got real big, <laughs> right? So he tries it, likes it, just starts shoveling it down. And the thing about these dinners is when you like a thing, they'll just bring it to you. And they just kept bringing as much as he would eat. And it had been, oh, no, it was a good thing. You don't have to say, oh, no. So he's just eating it, right? And we're talking at the dinner. And uh, a few minutes later, I don't hear his voice anymore. And I look over, and he's just curled up on the chair next to me. He'd had his fill of calamari, and he just went to sleep on the chair. And all week long, when you're sailing on the high seas, what happens is these waiters, they figure out what thing it is you like, and they just start bringing it to you, right? I've told you before, I like mashed potatoes. And if they find out you like mashed potatoes, they'll just bring you buckets of mashed potatoes. I'm telling you, the dinner is something you don't want to miss because you can find something there that you can't find anywhere else. And if you miss it, you miss out on something great. I believe what God wants us to know today is that he has something incredible prepared for us in life. Whether you believe it or whether you don't, whether you believed it walking into this place or whether you didn't, God has something incredible prepared for you. The God that created the world. It's a great feast that we cannot imagine the goodness of. And he's saying to us this morning, he's saying to me and he's saying to you, don't miss the dinner. Today we're going to be reading out of uh, Luke chapter 14, if you want to get your Bibles ready. Uh, If I had a subtitle for this series, it would be Conversations with Jesus. I'll probably have Greg change the sign to that this week. In many cases, these parables that we're talking about, there are times when Jesus was talking to a small group, a smaller group of people. And Jesus, a lot of times in these parables, he uses a real-world example to communicate a deeper truth about his kingdom come to earth. Because if you read the New Testament, you read anything about how it was, man, Jesus showed up and he upset their apple cart, for lack of a better term. Pastor Chase talked last week about the Pharisees. As he touched on, these were the people, the Pharisees, they observed everything religious on the outside. They looked good, but they were not much like Jesus inside their hearts. And here Jesus says he, ironically enough, is having dinner with them. We're going to start reading here, uh, verse 15 here in a moment. But verse 1, just if you rewind a little bit, we don't have time to read the whole thing. But verse 1 of chapter 14, it tells us that Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, a religious person that was a big deal, that everybody would have known. 
And he spends that part of the chapter talking to them about humility. And they were at a dinner. So Jesus begins to use their current surroundings to teach them a deeper truth about his kingdom. So with that in mind, let's read together Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 15 through 24, the parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. And the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste my banquet. We see in verse 14 there where we started, one of these very religious people, one of these Pharisees. He's talking about how wonderful it's going to be when they're all in heaven together. You see, this Pharisee, this religious guy, he's decided that he and Jesus are both good enough that they will each get to be in heaven someday. Isn't it going to be great, Jesus, me and you? Best buddies, we're going to be in heaven someday. And reading about the Pharisees and Sadducees in the New Testament, something that's so convicting to me. Because these were the ones that were going to church every week. Man, if you went to synagogue, you saw these guys. These are the ones that upheld all the customs, all the traditions. They dressed just the right way. They probably talked in a way that was honorable. They didn't associate with people that were bad news. But this Pharisee, he's already demonstrating this attitude that is contrary to the kingdom of God. Kind of have this idea, this term we use these days, of us four and no more. Right? Hey, Jesus, everything's going to be fine because eventually we'll leave all these people behind and we'll be in heaven together. Riff Raff stays here and we get to go to heaven. And you see what the Pharisee has failed to realize. And what God wants us to know today is that the feast is available for everyone. God's best is available to everyone, and that includes you today. No matter what you came in here thinking, it includes you. It's good news. Sometimes our natural inclination as the church is to have this, like, close-knit circle that it's hard to break into. It's awesome to have a close circle of friends. I'm not saying that's not good. But what we are about to see is that the heart of Jesus is that the kingdom of God is open to everyone who accepts him. Everyone. And in fact, the people who look like they have it all together, sometimes they're the ones who end up missing what God has. Verse 16, Jesus begins to tell a story about a great banquet. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Now, the story makes more sense if we understand the way these types of gatherings went in ancient times. They're a little different than these days. They were often multi-day affairs, especially if it was a wedding or something, multi-days, take the whole week. And so, of course, man, when we do a big dinner at our house, it's like two hours and it feels like it takes two weeks to get ready for the thing. 
So it would take quite a while to prepare for, right? There were usually, with these types of dinners, there was usually two invitations that went out. The first would have been way prior to the banquet being ready. Think of it like an invitation that gets sent in the mail. Or maybe if you are super cool, it's a Facebook invite or some other online thing, right? This, this invitation is prior to the banquet being ready. They would say, hey, we're going to have a banquet at this time and you are invited. Whatever way it was, the time and the place for the dinner was established in the day. And that's what's happening there uh, in verse 16. Sir man is preparing a great banquet. Now, in our world today, that's really all you need. You need the piece of paper in the mail. You need the Facebook events. You need the special email, Evite, whatever. Because that's all we need, right? Because if you are a little forgetful like I can be, sometimes you set a reminder in your phone. Or if you have a good memory, you just remember that it's coming up. We have a paper calendar on our wall. My wife loves to just scribble everything on there. It's helpful most of the time. Sometimes I'll be like, I told you about that thing. And she says, is it on the calendar? And I say, yes, because I wrote it on the calendar like 60 seconds before that. Because I knew she was going to ask if it was on the calendar or not. But in the time when Jesus uh, was telling this story, uh, we have to realize something important. And that's this, that no one carried with them any way to tell time. Right? So they said this banquet is in two weeks, this day, this time. They, had, they, might, they would know the day, but they did not know what time it was. There was no watches. I'm wearing a watch today, 1133, 2,728 feet elevation. My heart rate's 83 beats per minute. Now, I like information, I guess. But they didn't have in this time. They had no watch. They had no cell phones, no LED signs on the corner that told them the time and the temperature. And hence the reason for what happens in verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. In Jewish culture, it was a great honor, and it was almost ironclad to receive both invitations to the banquet, to receive the first one, and then to have the servant come out and find you, let you know it was ready. Everything had been prepared. The, the man, the master, he went to the trouble of sending someone to make the second invitation that the guests knew would be coming. In all of this, it would have made a lot of sense to the Pharisees that Jesus is sitting with after dinner. After all, they were sitting at a dinner that had in some way, shape, or form been planned. And we can only imagine Jesus pausing and looking around the table, locking eyes with him for a moment, saying in verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. And Jesus' story, they all began to come up with these reasons that they were going to have to miss the dinner that had been prepared. Reasons why they would miss what the master had prepared for them. This morning, friends, I'll say it again. God's heart for us is that we wouldn't miss what he has planned for us. Whether you've been serving the Lord for the entirety of your life or you showed up today and you're like, what is going on in this place? These people are weird. God doesn't want you to miss what, you have, what he has for you today. We're going to see three excuses over uh, these next couple verses. And these reasons the guests come up with, they, they seem kind of familiar even if we investigate them just the smallest bit. Verse 18 continues on to say, the first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. So this man, he's committed to go to the dinner. And when it's time to go, though, he's had the first invitation. The servant comes out to find him. When it's time to go, he does something that's pretty common. Something we've all probably done at some point. He says, oh, I just remembered. 
I got something I have to do. I know I said I would go, but, you know, I got my, I double booked my calendar, and I have something else I have to do. Now, on the surface, it might make, make sense. It might be a valid reason or excuse. But what the Pharisees Jesus was talking to would have known is that this was a flimsy reason at best. Because if you think about it at all, virtually no one would have been willing these days to buy a field without first going to look at it. No one buys the field and doesn't go look. Right? You go and you inspect the soil. You inspect the surrounding area. You determine whether or not the field would yield the crops that you're hoping for. Similar to us, right? When we go hunting for a house, we moved into a house, bought a house in Boise, moved from Cuno over the summer. And man, when you go check out a house, you know, unless you are a super rich investor, you check out everything, right? There's not anything you don't go look at. When we first were looking at these online listings, you know, you couldn't really tell a lot because we hadn't looked at many houses. Once we'd seen a few, you know, the language and the picture started to make sense. But man, we checked out everything. We took a tennis ball or a football, me and John Four, and we went in the backyard and we threw them around. It's really important to know whether there was room to throw a football or a tennis ball. And if there's not room, is there a park close by? Really important to know, does this driveway have room for a basketball hoop? Really important to know for my wife, how big is the pantry? Right? You don't make the purchase unless you go find that stuff out. And if by chance this guy, he had bought the field, bought the house without seeing it first, it would still be there in the same condition the next day. Nothing was going to change. What the man was doing for some reason was he was manufacturing a reason not to accept the invitation to the dinner. Sure, not a terrible thing. Yeah, he bought the field. He needs to go look at it at some point. Coming up with a reason, nonetheless, that he would have to miss the dinner, to miss what the master had prepared for him. Verse 19, Jesus talks about another invited guest. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Once more, situation that's kind of familiar to us. Whereas the first man, he suddenly remembered he double booked his calendar. Oh, man, I forgot I got to go take care of this thing. This guy, he puts a new spin on it. Oh, I was just on my way to work. Man, I know I said I would go, and I kind of lost track of the days, and I got to work today. In fact, I've got this new equipment I need to test out. I got to work, and I I got these these new oxes that I have to go test out. Oxen, I think, is the right word, right? When it says five yoke of oxen, it means five pairs. So he's got ten oxen that he's going to go try out. He's implying that he just got them, and he has to go do some work with his brand-new ten oxen. However, the Pharisees... Probably starting to squirm a little bit sitting around that table because uh, here's what they already would have known. And this time, nobody would have spent their hard-earned money on 10 oxen without knowing whether they do the job. No one's going to buy the oxen knowing whether they're well or sick without knowing whether they're well or sick. He either would have tried the oxen out already or he'd have bought them from somewhere reputable, therefore known that they do the job. And just like the man with the field, if he had bought them sight unseen, then they'd wait for another day. We talked already about buying a house, and this would be more more like buying a vehicle for work, right? You either go test drive the vehicle. You know, you might look at the pictures online, but you either go test drive the vehicle, or if it's a make and model you know about, you can look at the pictures so you know it's safe to buy it, right? Uh, If you, you probably know that Toyotas are super reliable, you would buy yourself a Toyota if you need to buy a truck. You know what kind of trucks you like. You know the way they work, and you can, you can look at the pictures, and you know. So you either know 
that it's going to work, or you go check it out. You have a mechanic look at it. You drive it on the freeway. Make sure it doesn't sound like it has a sack of marbles underneath the hood, right? And you've got work planned to do with the vehicle. And, of course, nobody would say that this is a bad thing. But in this case, once again, a flimsy reason that the man would have to miss the dinner to miss what the master had prepared for him. Finally, verse 20, just a few simple words. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now here, one would think, is a worthy reason. You go tell the master, I just got married. I do not have time to come to your banquet. Now, whereas the other two excuses, if the servant had wanted to argue, he probably could have made his way through these flimsy reasons, right? You can look at the field tomorrow, look at the oxen tomorrow. But the man here, he was not only appealing to his new marriage, but also calling upon a Bible verse they all would have known. You see, the Pharisees, they would have known this scripture from Deuteronomy 24.5. said this, if I don't have it on the screen for you, but it says this, if a man is recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home, bring happiness to the wife he has married. So the third man, he not only comes up with a, maybe a socially acceptable reason to miss a dinner, but he plays the Bible card. He's like, I can't come, and the Lord says why. Here's the reason. And, of course, it's going to be wrong to argue with anybody about what the Bible says, right? Or, brother, I'm just trying to do what the Bible says to do. Even 2,000 years ago, 2000 years ago though, people were taking Bible verses out of context. <laughs> it's a story as old as time. Man, have you ever heard someone do this? Uh, 20 years working at churches, I would tell you with honesty that I have. <laughs> Maybe someone wants to buy something they know they shouldn't buy. And if someone dares question them, man, is that a good decision? They'll say, well, brother, pastor, God will give you the desires of your heart. Conveniently forgetting, of course, that the next part of the verse says, according to God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Not according to the will of your credit card or whatever way you came up to pay with the thing, right? Nah, that's what uh, this verse finds a third person doing. Oh, brother, I've just gotten married. Don't you know the scriptures say I must stay home? The Bible says so. Conveniently forgetting the verse in Deuteronomy, it was meant for keeping men from being sent off to war so they don't get killed right when they get married. It's the only, only reason it was in there. It's not an excuse to manipulate your social calendar. And in any case, incorrectly using a well-known scripture to rationalize missing what the master had prepared. Man, now we move to the response of this master who he had spent considerable time preparing the gathering. He invited the people that he knew. And then he's angry that they went back on their original commitment. Verses 21 through 23, once more, the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. You see, the rationalization of the invited guests didn't change the fact that there was still a great supper to be had. And instead of those that he knew well, the master, he sends for anyone that can be found on the street. He's like, I prepared this thing, and people are coming. 
One of the reasons this is important is because right before this passage in verse 13, Jesus had been instructing the Pharisee, this church guy, to invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind in. So Jesus, he talks in the parable of the master doing the same thing that he had just instructed these Pharisees to do in real life. Not only those on the streets of the city that were close by, but outside the city where they would have been harder to find and convince. If they were outside the city walls or city gates, they had an issue. And, and socially, people did not want them around. But no matter what, the master had prepared his banquet, and he was going to have his banquet full. And if the invited guests wouldn't come, then the invitation would be extended to anyone who would listen. And here, friends, is where I think the narrative and the story begins to turn and be focused on us. Because I believe as God is speaking to all of us today, I'm saying us, including myself in the gathering. God is saying, I've prepared, prepared something wonderful for you. Here is your invitation. Don't miss the dinner. Don't miss what I have for you. Getting close to being, being done, but I want to talk to you quickly this morning about two things that God has prepared for us today. 100% certain of this. Two things that God is inviting us into. One of those things is that God is inviting us into salvation. God is inviting us into new life. See, what Jesus was doing in this parable at its most basic level is that he was inviting the most religious, the most well-put-together people of the day. He's inviting them into new life. He was saying to all those that knew the rules and they had it all together on the outside and they talked just right and they dressed just right. He's saying, don't miss the dinner. Don't miss what I prepared for you. He's saying, I know you follow the system well. I know you follow the Old Testament rules well, but don't miss the dinner. There's more that I have for you than just this. Maybe you're here this morning, you sing all the songs and you follow all the rules but it doesn't feel like you know it should feel because you're missing the relationship with Jesus. God is inviting you to salvation today. Maybe you're listening today, you hear us talking about these people Jesus is talking to who had it all together. You keep hearing me reference these Pharisees who had everything together and you were thinking, dude, that's not me. <laughs> Have you seen my bank account? Have you seen the tires on my car? I do not have it all together. And we see what this parable helps us know is that salvation, new life, it's not just for those that have been to church. It's not just for those that have it all together. Because the master was having a dinner. And he had many seeds to fill. So he sent for those who maybe normally think they shouldn't have been invited. The guests wouldn't come that he invited. So he sends an invitation to the people that never get invited to this kind of stuff. And if you're here, friends, this morning, you listen online, and you feel like you don't deserve a seat at the table, you feel like, man, if you knew everything about me, if you knew what yesterday was like, you wouldn't be saying this to me. Well, God is saying it to you. If you're here this morning and you don't think you deserve a seat at the table, that you don't deserve God's grace, we believe what the Bible says is true, Romans 10, 13, says to us with no qualification, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved.
includes me, and that includes you, and that includes everybody outside this place. He says today, man, I've set the table for you. The door is open. Don't miss the dinner. Don't miss it. Man, that is great news. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I'm going to give you a chance to know him in a few minutes. That's really good news, but it gets even better. Because God not only invites us into salvation, God also invites us on a mission. Now, these days, people will spend every bit of time and money, energy they have trying to find something to fulfill them. Man, we'll do anything. We'll spend, we'll read, we'll look, we'll talk, trying to find something to fulfill us. Even sometimes we give our lives to Christ. We accept the invitation to salvation. There's sometimes this empty space that gnaws at us. And it makes us try everything and fit it into what we think God should look like, right? We try different relationships. We try different music and we try different substances and we try different physical church buildings. If I just find a different set of four walls, then then it'll be okay. But I'm here to tell you today, speaking from experience and it's in the word of God, the true fulfillment comes from going on the mission that God has given us. You want to be fulfilled as a Christian? Find the mission God has given you. Yes, God is offering salvation to us today through his son, Jesus. And I know many of you in this place would say you've accepted him already. And you need to know if that's you, you've accepted Christ, you're going to heaven. You need to know that God has a mission for you. God has given all of us, thank goodness we're all not the same, right? God has given all of us uniquely wonderful gifts, talents, abilities. And when we stop using them only for our own good and we start using them to point others to Christ, then every day of our life becomes sparked by that mission. When we start using those gifts and talents that God has given us, man, there's a spark in our heart when we use those things to bring people to him. But as we land the plane and we circle back around to that parable, we sometimes, as people who attend church and know God, hey, I'm including myself, man, I've been church every Sunday of my life to the best of my ability. Sometimes we end up using excuses similar to uh, those invited guests in the story that Jesus tells. Like the first man who said he needed to go look at the field that he just bought, or the second one who needed to go look at the new work truck, the third one who on the surface had a pretty good reason, even one with the Bible verse to back it up, I just got married. We do the same thing sometimes. Man, I've been guilty of it. Ah, I just got something, Lord. I got to do something important first. And I'm going to start taking my faith a little more seriously. And yeah, maybe I'll get involved in church after I take care of this stuff. I've been planning this big project I need to finish up. Got this extra work. I need to do it first. I've been wanting to do this specific stuff with my family. And the only time is on weekends. I want to say none of that stuff is bad. I encourage you to work, spend time with your family, finish your projects. I think I have this on the screen. The problem oftentimes isn't what we are going to do, but what it is we're going to miss. And what God would say to us today is his people is don't miss the dinner. Don't miss the mission I have for you. And when we accept Christ into our hearts and we walk into what God has prepared for us, there's a mission for every one of us. Something that's going to fulfill us. And we discover it when we walk in and we sit down at the table. 
maybe you're here this morning, uh, it's, it's pulling at your heartstrings. Maybe it's helping with the ministry here at church, right? You want to help with kids or youth or worship or tech or greeting or whatever. Maybe you're hearing this and you are stuck at home, but God has a mission for you that involves reaching out to people online. We're more connected than we've ever been. Maybe it's simply God has blessed you financially and part of your mission is to be a blessing to the church, be a blessing to others, be a blessing to missionaries on the other side of the world. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that it's an incredible feeling when you find it. When you find the mission that God is sending you on, it's an incredible feeling. And God's got one for every one of us. Now, final line of that parable, it served as a warning to us. Not one of those who was invited will get a taste of my banquet. And you see, just like that banquet in the parable, it was going to happen no matter what. God's purpose is going to be accomplished no matter what. And if we as his people come up with reasons for not doing it, if we refuse his invitation to the dinner and to the mission, then eventually someone will come in and God will use them because he's got a mission that has to get done. So if you're God's people today, I would encourage you, don't miss it. Most importantly this morning, you bow your heads, close your eyes. This morning as we get ready to close, this morning, most importantly, I want to give you a chance to accept God's invitation to the dinner receive salvation. You've heard us talk about knowing the Lord and what we believe is that God sent his son Jesus. He lived a life with no sin. He took our sin upon him on the cross and he died and he rose again after three days. And if you're one of those people and you feel like you don't deserve it, you don't deserve God's grace, you're one of those people that says, man, if you only knew Here's what God says in 2 Corinthians 5. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we would be made right with God through Christ. God's invited you here. He's given you a chance to make yourself right with him today. So if you're here this morning, um, and that's you this morning, you want to accept Christ for the first time, become a Christian, or you, you've wandered far, you want to rededicate your life today, would you just raise your hand today so I can pray with you, pray over you? Awesome, thank you so much. Some people raise their hand, friends. Here's what we're going to do. As God's church, we are going to pray. And if you've said the prayer before, you know the Lord. As you say this, you are just agreeing with those who raise their hands. Let's pray together. Everyone repeat after me, if you would. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Today, I believe in you. I accept your invitation into salvation. Today, please forgive me of my sins. I accept you into my life. Please make me a new creation. Pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen. Some people raise their hand and say that prayer. Um, I don't know if for the first time or uh, for the millionth time, but you need to know that if you raise your hand, or if you did, you said that prayer and you meant it from the bottom of your heart that you are a new creation in this moment. That while 2 Corinthians 5 says it's true, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come and the new is beginning to come in your life today. One more thing we're going to do. The lights are going to say just like this. And um, I'm going to do a thing that sometimes is kind of awkward in church. Uh, Victoria's going to continue to play. But uh, I'm going to just have her play quiet. I'm not going to say anything for 60 seconds. 
And I'm just going to ask you as God's people, I know the majority of you know who, I'm going to ask you to reflect on the mission that God is inviting you into. I don't know how many times I've said it today, but I'll say it once more. Every one of you has a mission from God to help people know him better. So would you just close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I I pray over these people in this moment that as we reflect, that you would speak and that you would reveal, uh, maybe just plant the seeds, Lord, of your mission inside of our hearts today. Friends, would you take just these few moments as we reflect and be quiet before the Lord to ask him, what his mission is for you. Lord, I thank you that you, uh, when we are faithful to quiet our hearts, that you speak to us. We pray uh, for those that are here today and they accepted you for the first time. Uh, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to regenerate their hearts even now. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that have known you for a long time. and uh, They love you. And in this 60 seconds we took, Lord Jesus, as they reflected, uh, you began to speak a new thing into them, speak a new mission into their life. Lord, I pray that every person uh, who prayed to you honestly, Lord, that they would not miss it. Lord, for those who you began to speak something to them in this few moments, and if they said it out loud, it would sound crazy because it's something they never thought of, something that you divinely put there. Lord, I pray that you would give them the faith and the courage to put one foot in front of the other and begin to walk into the mission you have for them. Lord, I pray that every person in this room that would walk out of this place full of your grace and your mercy and your love and your Holy Spirit, and um, that you would help us, uh, that you would make it so we can't help but tell people about you just simply by the way we live our life. Lord, thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive when we call upon you. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with every family represented in this place, that you would go with us, You would guide us and direct us. Give us divine appointments this week to tell people about you. Thank you that your presence has been here in such a real way today. Lord, we call on your name. We love you. We exalt you. Lord, thank you for inviting us to the dinner. Help us not to miss it. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.